With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, baseball in Milwaukee, always a lot of fun for the happy Midwestern home crowd, especially when their team is hot. The Brewers are hot. Best team in the National League in terms of wins and losses. So lots of joyous singing of polka music from jolly Wisconsinites after an 8-7 win on Sunday. Roll out the barrel, my butt. The Mets are now just one game over 500. Let's talk about it now. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Mets are doing. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's your Daily Mets podcast. May 27th, 1994, a series was tied at three for a beloved New York City team. And as my partner Howie Rose described it that night, it was Mato, 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 four games to three for New York. Well, May 27th, 2018, maybe not as much a stake. The Mets and Milwaukee season series tied at three. Winner take all game seven leads to the call of uh, Domingo, Domingo, Domingo. Domingo Santana blooping in the tying and go-ahead runs, and the Mets with a very tough loss, 8-7. Josh Lewin with you. If you listen closely, you can hear <laughs> Katrina and the waves right now here at Miller Park, walking on sunshine. I'm not really feeling it. I don't know about you, but uh, that's what they're playing as they wrap things up here in Milwaukee. The Brewers took three out of four, as it turns out, and it's frustrating because the Mets had six runs and seven runs scored the last two games lost them both because they allowed 17 and 8. Mets averaging better than five runs in a four-game series. They had averaged just a run and a third against the Marlins before they got here, so at least the offense is starting to go, but the pitching is flickering at best. Zach Wheeler was on the mound for this one. Let's talk about Zach a little bit. It was three years ago he was almost traded to Milwaukee with Wilmer Flores for Carlos Gomez. Of course, that never did happen. And Zach for the year, you know, against the Marlins, he's been great. Two starts against them. He's got a 0.59 ERA. Problem's been the 7.12 against everybody else. And that includes what happened against the Brewers on this particular Sunday afternoon. He got in trouble right away in the first inning when Lorenzo Cain reached on an infield to hit. Christian Yelich followed with a hit. And then there was a miscommunication between Jay Bruce and Michael Conforto in right center. Not a great look at all as the two basically almost collided. Brewers got a run out of it, and it was, well, the first three Brewers reaching base in an inning. That had happened right at the end of the game a couple times the day before. But Zach Wheeler, to his absolute credit, if he was angry about everything, he didn't show it. He just got Travis Shaw to pop out. He got Domingo Santana to pop out. He struck out Jonathan VR on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. So that eye of the tiger that you really don't see a lot from Zach, he somehow got it in that first inning, pitching right through it to keep it one nothing, And as a reward, I suppose, the Mets got right to it in the top of the second. Jay Bruce, who's been slumping, it seems like, forever, an infield hit, kind of. It was into the shift, and the second baseman playing about 30 feet onto the outfield grass, unable to get him in time. 
Adrian Gonzalez was hit by a pitch. Jose Bautista ripped the first pitch that he saw for a single. Tomas Nito singled, and the Mets were able to tie the game at one at that point. Zach Wheeler then with a base hit over the head of Domingo Santana, who was playing a shallow right field. Ha-ha, Domingo. Zach Wheeler 5 for 15 at that point this year, and he had given the Mets a 3-1 lead. Later is Jubal Cabrera, an RBI single, so a 4-1 lead for the Mets to enjoy to the bottom of the third. However, the Brewers would come back. It was a walk by Lorenzo Cain. Wilmer Flores then threw one away, and we'd find out later that he's working with a bad back right now. Wilmer also had a very passive A-B in the first inning, where he literally just kind of blinked and watched a strike go by to end that inning, and we were all kind of wondering, is Wilmer just in a fog, or what's going on? Well, the throwing error on Wilmer set it up for Jesus Aguilar, who hit one a ton, and did a kind of a Jose Bautista bat flip as Bautista went sailing back and left, unable to get close to it. That ball ended up in the second deck, and the Brewers had a 4-1 to lead. Jesus Aguilar, who was also the name of one of the Bad News Bears, by the way, if you want to go back and watch your Buttermaker, uh, this Jesus Aguilar now is homered in six of his last nine games. That's something that the Aguilar did not do in Bad News Bears at all. But, of course, Kelly Leak picked him up. Chico's bail bonds all the way. Brewers four, Mets four at the end of four, as it turned out. And then the Mets would grab a lead in the fifth. Conforto looked like maybe a home run to lead it off. That was overturned, though. They said the ball hit the yellow stripe, didn't count, just a double. So Jay Bruce was able to bat later in the inning and collect his first RBI since May 7th. Yeah, it had been 20 days. It had been 47 at-bats. And finally, Jay Bruce off the schneid. You know, he had hit one very deep with the bases loaded earlier in the game. In the second inning, when the Mets already had the four runs, could have been eight, had Bruce gotten just a little bit more barrel on it. He flied out to the warning track in left center. But the RBI finally did come for him in the fifth on the 10th anniversary of his Major League debut. And what a debut that was, if you're not familiar with the story. For the Reds, first round pick, everybody waiting for big things. Three for three with two walks. He was batting second that day in between a couple of juniors, Jerry Hairston and, oh, by the way, Ken Griffey. That's the guy that he had idolized growing up. You may have heard the story about a phone call that Jay Bruce placed from Beaumont, Texas, when he was nine years old to the Kingdom Clubhouse. He let his fingers do the walking back in the days of Yellow Pages and whatnot. He called uh, Seattle information and somehow got patched through to the home clubhouse before finally, finally, somebody was able to pick up the phone and say, uh, hey, there's a phone call for you, Ken Griffey Jr., by the way, i got to interrupt this right now. I'm watching the kids run the bases after the game in Milwaukee. The first thing that has not gone well for the Brewers this weekend, this poor six-year-old kid, I would say one foot from home plate, just wiped out. And his big sister is leading him off the field. That's, that's that. And now the kid's okay. He's, he's just a little embarrassed. But boy, did he wipe out. My goodness. Oh, now he's crying. Is this good play-by-play? -play? Should I keep going with this? Mom's like ruffling his hair now. Big sister's coming over. I don't think they, they should show him the picture that they got, the live picture of him just going completely flat, maybe inches from home plate. All oh, this kid, now he's crying again. He was he was fine two minutes ago. Anyway, uh, back to what was, oh, what was I talking about? A Mets-Brewers game? Is that right? Okay. So uh, I, I think we left off, if I remember now, that the, the Mets had taken the lead with Jay Bruce having something to do with it. That's right. Now, to the seventh inning, the Mets able to tag on one more run as Jubal Cabrera batting right-handed against Boone Logan. Gave up the home run and ended up getting the win in this game, as it turns out. 
But uh, yeah, Cabrera, and that's usually the side where he goes to town, is right-handed. I don't know what uh, Craig Council thought would happen there, but he brings in the lefty to face Cabrera, immediately socks a home run, his eighth of the year. He's now got 30 runs batted in. That's twice as many as Conforto, twice as many as Bruce. That's uh, 17 more than Wilmer Flores, and I don't know a lot of people that thought Cabrera would be leading by a healthy margin in runs batted in for the Mets right now among active players, but there you go. Six to four to the bottom of the seventh, and that's where the wheels came off the wagon. The Mets turned in collectively to that kid who just wiped out at home plate here at Miller Park. With one out, Lorenzo Kane able to get an infield single. Luis Guillorme on for Wilmer Flores made a heck of an attempt. Looked like Pete Rose going into second base with a head-first dive as he let fly and then just uh, went sailing through the air. His throw to first base not quite there in time to get Kane. Christian Yelich beat out a fielder's choice, and then Aguilar walked and left Robert Gazelman pretty much apoplectic. Gazelman had come on to start the inning, was throwing some really nasty stuff, and home plate umpire Rob Drake just missed a call on a 2-2 count. Eventually, Aguilar would walk and Gazelman would leave the game, and let's just say Robert Gazelman, he hates the Drake. He was firing his glove in the dugout. He's normally a very serene kind of guy, but Gazelman very upset that he not only was lifted from the game, but had walked Aguilar. Sure enough, the Mets kind of playing it by the book, going lefty versus lefty. They bring on Jerry Blevins to face Travis Shaw on Travis Shaw's bobblehead day. And Shaw, the mayor of Ding Dong City, all he did was bloop one to left, but that was plenty good. That got a run in, made it 6-5. to five. They're not going to make a bobblehead out of that. He's not the mayor of bloops. But the next guy up also blooped one, and that was basically your ball game. Paul Seawall had come on to face Domingo Santana, and Domingo, on a Sunday, just a, a little flare into right field that ended up dropping down. Two runs coming in, and that flipped the whole script. It was a 7-6 lead at that point all of a sudden for the Brewers and the Mets. Yeah, they can go back and bemoan the fact that Rob Drake missed a call, but you still got to get some outs. Jonathan Villar followed with a rifle shot that made one more run on the board for the Brew Crew. They took an 8-6 lead into the ninth inning. Jeremy Jeffress a perfect 8. He's now got a 0.32 ERA. Corey Knebel wobbled a bit in the ninth inning. He kind of high-wired it. Evil Knebel, if you will. And uh, after a walk to Rosario, yes, a walk to Rosario, he said. That's only the sixth all year for Ahmed. Now the Mets had their chance, especially after Rosario stole second base, but Conforto struck out after Cabrera struck out before him. That's your ball game. Milwaukee takes it. Eight runs, 11 hits, no errors. The Mets, seven runs, 10 hits, and two errors. And they continue the road trip now, heading on to Atlanta. We'll talk about that in a sec. First, I know you want to hear from Mickey Calloway. He's brought to you by Ridgewood Savings Bank. At Ridgewood, you'll find the same time-saving online and mobile tools as the big banks. But with better service, fewer fees, and none of the runaround, whether you want to manage your money from your phone or buy your first home, Ridgewood is ready to help you live a better financial lifestyle. Visit RidgewoodBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here is Mickey Calloway. They scored four runs and hit one ball hard. You know, swing and bunt. Um, then the jam shot off of Blevins. And then the triple that was off the end bloop. Um, the guys executed their pitches tonight. They just scored some runs. In general, I know we've asked you this in one form or another a few times, but you know, Blevins has been brought in, I think, now for 13 one-batter situations, and he's failed to get that out six times. When you're in that spot and you have that track record with him this year, how 
difficult is that decision about whether or not to stick with Gazelman or keep throwing him out there? Well, you know, um, no, I mean, you know, what's happened in the small sample size this year obviously weighs on you a little bit. But you can't really let that affect you when you're making decisions. Um, you know, the last seven times or the only seven times that Shaw faced um, Gaselman, he, he got three hits. Um, he's never gotten a hit off of Blevins. Um, and it's not just those two small sample sizes you pay, to, pay attention to either. It's the overall numbers suggest that, uh, that uh, Blevins has a much greater chance to get. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, uh, The hitter out. And, uh, you know, I think, it, I think you have to go with those. Um, I think it's part of managing the game today. Um, you know, I think it's just like preparing um, and doing everything you can. And if things don't work out, you, you feel okay about it. Um, you know, I kind of take that same approach. How difficult is it to balance kind of the, the track record versus how a guy's pitching recently, especially in the bullpen by, by this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what I was just answering. Um, you do have to weigh all of, the, all of those things. Um, so in the end, you know, how do you make the decision? Um, you know, obviously, Blevins has had a good track record against him in the small sample size. Blevins hasn't in the small sample size. Um, what do the overall numbers say? I mean, I think there's something to be said when, when all things are even, going with numbers that are drastically in favor of someone and, and going with that. Was there was leaving Gazelman in for Shaw an option in your mind, or was there no doubt that Blevins No, to today there was no doubt. Um, just uh, what the numbers were showing, and also I thought it was a great opportunity to, uh, okay, Blevins only has to get two outs if we get that far, and then um, we didn't want him to get overworked. If Blevins comes in and gets the out, then he only pitch, faces one hitter, and then Seawald only pitches one inning, and we're, we're set for tomorrow. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a tough scenario that uh, didn't work out. No, I mean, I, th I think they're probably down after what happened tonight and, and last night. Last night was a tough loss. Um, tonight, the errors, uh, you know, we, we made a couple errors that we probably shouldn't have made that cost us some runs. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it just wasn't a clean game. Um, I, I did think in the inning we gave up four runs. Guys made decent pitches. They, uh, you know, kind of capitalized on some some hits that fell in. But uh, you know, we have a big series against Atlanta, and uh, they'll sleep on it and they'll come energized tomorrow like they have every year, every day. What happened with <clears throat> uh, Back, we're going to send him back to New York to get checked out. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen him having, you know, a tough time throwing the ball. You know, he feels like he can't really bend over. Um, so he's going back. We're going to have somebody on their way to Atlanta 
just in case uh, we have to deal. Is back. You know, he we we gave him a day off. Uh, I don't know, three or four days ago. It was bothering him, and then he said it wasn't bothering him at all. He was getting treatment. He was doing okay, and it started bothering him again today. All right, that's the manager after a very active Sunday. And now what's brewing for today? Brought to you by the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. They're making a big-time comeback later this year, returning to your neighborhood under new ownership, but still, as always, serving the finest premium coffees from around the world. Whatever your pleasure, they've got it. And soon there will be a location near you, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Remember the name. They're out of Southern California, and they will soon be a New York institution. The Mets with the doubleheader, day-night doubleheader, scheduled for today, Monday, weather permitting. Jacob deGrom in that first game, and that's the good news, a 1.54 ERA as the Mets will hodgepodge the second game for sure. Max Freed and Brandon McCarthy will go for Atlanta. The Braves' first-place team at 30-21. and 21. They've got a three-and-a-half ERA. That's one thing that they can crow about. Of course, Ozzy Albies is a lot of their story this year. The little guy already has 32 extra base hits. He's got 34 runs batted in. Now, Ronald Acuna Jr. got hurt in the game against Boston Sunday, and they were all kind of wondering what's up with that. So even if Acuna is not ready to go, Albies certainly is. They're having a great year from Freddie Freeman, hitting around 330 with 36 runs batted in. Nick Markakis hitting closer to 350 with 35 runs batted in. And he's a guy that sometimes gets to the beginning of June with maybe one home run, if that. He's got seven already this year. Guy's never made an all-star team. He could do it in his mid-30s now for the first time. So that's a little bit about uh, what to look forward to in Atlanta. One thing I want to leave you with here before we get out of Milwaukee. Promised you that we always look forward to talking to Bob Euchre. And you can't leave Milwaukee without a little Euchre interview. Actually got a chance to sit down with him yesterday. We held this back for today, hoping there would be better tidings and everybody would be in a better mood. But again, 8-7, to seven, the Mets lost on Sunday. We are not deterred. Bob Euchre talking about a bunch of things, including his memories of home runs against those New York Metropolitans. Enjoy these next few minutes. Okay, here we go. So the great Bob Euchre joins us for a few minutes. We're sitting just a few uh, sections away from the Bob Euchre statue, which conveniently is located uh, in Oconomowoc, I believe. It is very far from home plate. Uh, do you get out there to see your statue at all? I've, uh, I- I've seen it once, and that was the day um, that-, that it was put up. Other than that, uh, I haven't been out there. Um, but and-, and the other thing, it, re- it reminds me too much of... When I played, that's real? how I looked. <laughs> that's how I looked, and that's how I played. Just right. like that statue. Well, nothing. Look at you—you've made quite a career out of self-deprecating Bob Euchre humor. I get it, but I got to get on record with you. You hit fourteen point three percent of your home runs in the major leagues against the New York Mets. Two out of fourteen. What do you recall about them, if anything? One of the guys. The one guy I remember is Dave Eilers. Not Dave Island, our pitching coach. No, not Dave Island. I, I made sure of that when you guys got here. It was Dave Eilers. But, uh, yeah, I went to the bullpen at the old ballpark and okay. uh, at, at uh, Shea Stadium. And I actually started against you guys at the old polo grounds, which was – that was one of my uh, my big thrills, really, to play at the polo grounds. Yeah, uh, after hearing so much about it. And, of course, Russ Hodges and his great call with the Giants in 1951. So, yeah, but – you know what? I, I always got a kick out of playing, whether I played or not, probably more if I didn't play because I knew I wasn't going to mess anything up. But 
I, I enjoyed the time that I was around, uh, Josh. I really did. It was, it was, you know, not many guys get an opportunity to do it, and I enjoyed every part of it. I really did. I know you enjoyed the heck out of New York when you got to New York, and you still do enjoy. Take me through a Bob Euchre weekend in New York, whether it was during your, your playing days or even now. What, what's your New York? Well, you know, I, I had great friends in New York, and... Um, uh, a great friend of mine, a guy named Julie Hurtling, who uh, ran a clothing business in New York City, a factory, uh, and his wife and his kids were were a big part of my my times in New York. Each and every time I came there, but you know the the one thing about New York City, I mean, there's great places to eat, there's great places to go and see, but I think uh, one of the one of the big thrills for me was Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium. I mean, I've been to the new one too, but. Uh, to have to have been to Old Yankee Stadium and of course the Polo Grounds where the Mets started way back in 1962, um, th- those are things that stick with me. Every time we we face you guys, I always go into the press press guide or on the computer and look at you know those days way back in 1962 when the Mets first came into being and the guys that played on that club then. I mean legendary legendary guy, yeah. Gil Hodges. Uh, legendary people. Casey Stengel was the manager. Sure. Richie Ashburn. Richie right. Ashburn was the center fielder. Uh, we had a guy named uh, Easy Ed Charles that I played with with the Braves. He was one of the guys that was picked by uh, New York or the league to go to New York and become part of the Mets. But all of those guys during that time, Chris Canazero, I remember him, uh, the catcher. Um, but everything was new with Houston and New York. Right. So you know, the established clubs that went in there to play were looking to, you know, kind of take them to task. But it didn't happen that way all the time. I mean, the Mets had some guys on there that could play and guys that were established big league stars on the way down but still very capable of playing. Chatting with Bob Euchre, just finishing up real quick. Since you mentioned the polo grounds and the Giants, I got to ask you, you had the one grand slam of your 14 <laughs> home runs happened to be against the Giants, and I, I need to know what whatever happened to the guy you hit it against. <laughs> yeah, Ron Herbel was the guy that I hit it against, and when Herman Franks came out of the game or came out to the mound to take him out of the game, he had Herbel's suitcase all packed already. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be my last time facing Ron Herbel. It was out in San Francisco at Candlestick Park, yeah. And Herbel gave it up. I, I saw him later on, Josh, up in Seattle where he lived. We were up there playing. He came to the game, came up in our booth to say hello, and he asked me before he left, he said, you, can you do me a favor? I said, absolutely. He said, would you not talk about the Grand Slam home run anymore? He said, it's really hurting my family. All right, finishing up, I got one, one more for you. And actually, this one turns somewhat serious. I read it in the offseason about the recluse spider taking a chomp out yeah. of it. And I thought it was a gag. I thought it was like, oh, ha-ha, here's Uke just being Uke again. You really got it pretty good from a spider. Yeah, it was a, a brown recluse spider. I, I knelt down to change a light bulb outside, never felt it bite me. Uh, next day, I started sticking a pin in the bite because it started to get a little bigger. And then four days later, um, my wife talked me into going to a doctor, and I did. And when I walked in his office, he, as soon as he looked at my leg, uh, I had a pair of shorts on when I got bit. He, he said right away, he said, that's a brown recluse spider bite. And uh, they took me into, into surgery and, and did the surgery on it. But I, I couldn't figure out why a spider wouldn't recluse himself from biting me. You know, everybody else recluses themselves from doing stuff. Why didn't he? Plus, I put him in bed with my wife. He was there 10 days. He never touched her. 
Love you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> See you, Josh. Thanks, Great talking Bob. to you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, thanks so much to the great Bob Euchre. If you're going out of market, by the way, and want to follow the Mets in Atlanta coming up or anywhere on the uh, rest of the season tote board now, got the app for you. If you don't have it already, you probably should put it on your phone. Hotel Tonight, where you can book well in advance, actually, but the last-minute thing works very well. For example, tonight, it's right there in their name. You can book a room in just 10 seconds. Three taps and a swipe will get it done. There's no long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices to have to bother with. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at the best hotels. So if you're busy and you don't want to overthink things, you just turn it over to them. If you've got the app, you are all set. And they only work with places where they would stay, too. You're never going to get anything other than a great deal on a great hotel. Not a great stay for the Mets in Milwaukee. They dropped three out of four. They dropped to 25 and 24 for the season. Got to get the bats heated up some more. Got to get the hello, my name is name tags out too. As the Mets indeed will be making some roster moves today in advance of the two games that are scheduled. Hopefully the weather cooperates. It is a four game series in three days if it doesn't rain all freaking day long. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks again for tuning in. It's the Daily Mets Podcast. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.